the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Friday edition of Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. Think about this. We were created with fasting. If you sleep eight hours a day, then you're sleeping one-third of your life. If you live to 75, that would be 25 years of sleep. And when you're sleeping, you are fasting. That's why the morning meal is called breakfast. It's when you break your fast. A lot is written about fasting. Jesus had a lot to say about fasting, especially in the Sermon on the Mount in chapters 5 and 6 of the book of Matthew. And on today's edition of Study Verse by Verse, Pastor Leighton Sheely takes us to that teaching on fasting by Jesus in chapter 6. Verse 7, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Now here Jesus is not devaluing long prayers because the Scriptures tell us He often prayed all through the night. But what He's devaluing here is this sense that God is somehow or other hard of hearing. That He doesn't want to listen to our prayers. And the only way to get His attention is to badger Him with many words. God chose to adopt us. God loves us. He wants to provide for our needs. And the way we uh, get to, to him to hear our prayers is by praying our prayers in alignment with his will. And his will is described in his word. And as long as we're in the word and praying his will, we know that he's hearing our prayers. Verse 8, do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. What is Jesus saying? He's saying uh, the purpose of our prayer is not to inform God. You know, you're never going to hear God say something like, well thank you for telling me I didn't know that. Because God knows everything. So our purpose in praying isn't to inform God. Our purpose in prayer is to express our dependence upon Him and to draw our minds and our hearts into alignment with His sovereign will. So prayer is not so much a matter of trying to change God's mind as it is a matter of changing our mind. He goes on and says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven. Question, who did Jesus say we are to address our prayers to our Father in heaven. One of the incredible blessings we have as believers is that we don't need to ask somebody else to carry our prayers. We don't have to give it to a saint or something like that. Jesus says that God wants us, the Heavenly Father wants us to pray directly to Him. Not only is He my Father, but He is your Father That makes Him our Father. And the point that Jesus is making here is that our prayers should not be self-centered. That in our prayers we're including concerns for the well-being of others. And lest we become too familiar in addressing the God of the universe as our Father, Jesus says, remember that He is our Father in heaven. He is the one who sits on the throne of heaven. Holy is your name. We must be reminded and remind ourselves that when we come into the presence of Almighty God, 
He is holy. And then Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Which is two ways of saying almost the same thing. Because a kingdom is where the will of the king is done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth or in earth as it is in heaven. Have you stopped to think about how quickly and perfectly God's will is done in heaven? I would imagine it's instantaneous and it's perfect. And that same degree of obedience is what we're praying for here on planet earth and in this earth of which we are made. May your will be done in us as it is done in heaven. And then he goes on and says, give us this day our daily bread. And this is an acknowledgement that God is our source of life and nourishment. And because God is faithful, we don't have to ask him for this week's bread or this month's bread. We can ask him for this day's bread because tomorrow we can pray and ask him for that day's bread. And because he is faithful and he never changes, he will always answer our prayers. So what Jesus is saying is that we should be praying, and we should be praying at minimum daily, and better yet, pray without ceasing. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. These two are related, and it's so important that Jesus restates it again in just a few verses. We can only receive forgiveness from God to the extent we are willing to forgive others. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Satan is the master deceiver. He was even able to deceive Adam and Eve in the garden. And we need God's help to keep us alert to the schemes of the devil. We're asking him to lead us away from temptation. And God provides always a way of escape, but we need to pray that God makes that way of escape obvious to us. Then Jesus says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Everything that the Bible says is important because it is the Word of God. And when the Bible repeats something, it's of even greater importance. And the fact that Jesus would repeat this within just a few verses means that it's very, very important. We must not gloss over. And then Jesus moves to a third act of righteousness or Christian discipline, that of fasting. He says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So Jesus assumes here that his disciples are going to fast because he says, when you fast. And giving to the needy, praying and fasting are all a regular part of our devotion to Christ. Now the word fast here literally means to abstain from food, to not eat. But it can be expanded to include other things as well. And sometimes it's total and sometimes it's partial. In the Old Testament we are told about faithful believers who fasted. People like Moses, Samson, Samuel, Hannah, David, Elijah, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Daniel, and many others. In the New Testament, the believers include Anna, John the Baptist and his disciples, Jesus, 
Paul, and others. And because of our Christian roots as a nation, we as Americans recognize fasting as well. We call the first meal of the day breakfast because we are breaking the fast from the previous night's meal. One thing that we should set aside things for is Bible study because in the Bible God reveals His will to us. And you know, the doctors tell us that when there is no food in the stomach, more blood is available for the brain. Have you noticed that once you eat a burger and fries, you don't feel like thinking so much? <laughs> Sleeping comes to mind. All right. Well, what one of the suggest is instead of eating and sending the blood to the stomach, why not forego that, let the blood go to the brain? That gives us more ability to give attention to, focus upon the Word of God. Now, Jesus here in the, the sermon has been um, addressing an issue as well that we might call elitism. And that's because what he's, the instructions he's been giving are for every believer. And yet, throughout church history, there has been some kind of an expectation that there are normal Christians and then there are elite Christians, that the ones that go above and beyond with these disciplines. That was uh, emphasized in the Middle Ages with the monastic movement. It's emphasized today with the clergy-laity distinctions and so forth. But this idea of there being two levels in the Christian life promotes uh, apathy and suggests that commitment is really optional, that commitment to Christ-likeness is optional. Jesus never introduced any idea of there being a multi-tiered or two-tiered level of discipleship. We are all called to practice these acts of righteousness in devotion to the Father. Now, fasting is good for self-discipline because hunger is one of the most basic uh, appetites. And, uh, and we need to exercise self-control in every respect. Paul oftentimes in his writings talks about athletes as an example. And he, and he says in order for them to compete, they have to be physically fit, they have to discipline themselves in food and sleep and exercise. And he talks about Christians being able to run the race and needing to discipline ourselves. And so when we're hassled by some situation, uh, fasting can be a very powerful weapon in your spiritual arsenal. Because when you say no to your stomach and start praying instead, something significant happens. And saying no can, can also lead to other areas where you can say no to and overcome them. So there is real power in fasting. There's something else that fasting accomplishes, and that is that we uh, learn that there are things we thought we could not do without that we really don't need. And the fewer things we regard as essential, the more independent we're going to be. And so fasting from some things we might think essential, we'll find out they're not really that essential at all. So the purpose of fasting is to provide time for prayer, to teach self-discipline, to remind God's people that we can live with less, and to help us appreciate what God has given. These acts of righteousness or spiritual disciplines bring the alignment 
bring alignment between the inner righteousness that God has initiated when we received Him as our Savior and Lord and the experiential righteousness as we pursue His directive to be perfect even as our Father which is in heaven is perfect. Lord, we're so very, very thankful for Your Word and Your Holy Spirit. In Your Word, Lord, we have all we need to know the answers to everything that's really, really important. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. You are great and greatly to be praised. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless. Yes, amen. Well, I hope you have a little bit better understanding of what it means to fast and why we should fast. If you'd like to listen to this message again, go to our website at highlands.us. This is Study Verse by Verse, a broadcast outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. Again, the website is highlands.us. You can also call them at 650-873-4095. I know some people find it easier to pick up the phone and call at 650-873-4095. I'm Mike Trout. What a blessing it is to have you join us each day. Let us know that you've tuned in. Have a wonderful weekend, and join us again on Monday, if you can, when we return with more from the Sermon on the Mount and study verse by verse. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.